United States Institute of Peace, along with Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124, now present their weekly podcast. International aid agencies say Iraqi authorities are increasing pressure on families in displacement camps in Anbar province to return to their homes This ahead of national elections scheduled for May, the Danish Refugee Council, the International Rescue Committee, and the Norwegian Refugee Council saying that the drive comes as Iraqi officials have suggested they would like to see people moved back to retaken areas to vote because it isn't currently possible to vote in displacement camps. Seems a rather extreme way to get out the vote, but let's talk about this and other issues in that area with Nancy Lindborg, president of the United States Institute of Peace, recently back from a visit to Iraq, tweeting at Nancy Lindborg. Nancy, welcome back. Thank you for being here today. Good to be here. Thank you, Tim. What should we know about the changing landscape in Iraq right now? Well, you know, Iraq is at this very pivotal moment right now. They've just emerged from three years of brutal occupation by ISIS. They've weathered the Kurdish referendum. And as you just mentioned, they have the elections ahead. So interestingly, the key political conversation going on across all the different parties is that now is the time to have a cross-sectarian, more inclusive, more accountable government. And the question, of course, is whether this still very, very fledgling democracy can deliver on that vision or will it fall back into the kind of very uh, exclusive, uh, highly sectarian government that um, led to the rise of ISIS last time around? Um, And as everybody said, the fight, the fight against ISIS is far from over. Uh, The war is still raging on the other side of a very porous long border with Syria And the ideology is still there. So it's very much at a moment where Iraq could steam forward on a very positive pathway or fall back into conflict. With those 2.4 million Iraqis displaced and the government asking that they return if they can, are there places for them to go? Are Are there homes where they can once again take up residence? You know, it's highly variable. And, uh, you know, 3 million Iraqis have already gone home. Somewhere between 2.2, 2.6 remain in camps. And it's, it really depends on the region of the country. You mentioned the Anbar displaced uh, Iraqis. There is pressure for people to get home so they can vote. There's, there are also those who are being held in the IDP camps Uh, who want to go home but can't, and it's because of the fear of revenge violence. You know, after communities have been occupied often for three years uh, by Daesh, by ISIL, once they're liberated, there's so much distrust, and the social fabric is so torn apart. And there is a lot of distrust about who may have done what, who may have been complicit. And so in the absence yet of a better system to differentiate who was truly complicit, uh, there are populations that are not being an, allowed to go home for fear that it could spark another round of revenge violence. Nancy Lindborg with us, president of the United States Institute of Peace. Nancy, as one of your colleagues writes at uh, the website, USIP website, Secretary of State Rex Tillerson delivered a U.S. message that private investment rather than government funds should pay for the needed reconstruction the Kuwait conference second day then reflected the U.S. approach. How's that working out? 
Well, you know, I think Kuwait was a mixed bag for the Iraqis. They went in uh, with a very big ask. They were estimating that it will cost $100 billion to rebuild Iraq. Of course, this is going to take a, a number of years. Um, the World Bank's estimate was more around $88 billion. They walked away with $30 billion. Um, it's a bit unclear how that all adds up. A lot of it is in loan guarantees and credits. That's what the U.S. brought. Um, and, of course, a lot of what has to happen in Iraq will not be done through private investment. I think the private, the private sector will play a really important role. It can and it must, and it will be over a number of years. And at the same time, there's immediate need that has to be addressed through the kind of assistance that enables homes to be rebuilt, essential services to be stood back up, the kind of stabilization efforts that do help people go home because they have a home to go to go back to. And it isn't just the physical infrastructure. It's the social infrastructure. It's rebuilding the, the trust between very fragmented communities and trust with the security services and with the government. And without doing this piece, uh, that that's the part that often doesn't get done and hasn't been done well after the last two military campaigns in Iraq. You know, I look at history uh, on something like this, Nancy, in the post-World War I Europe. Obviously, the reconstruction was not successful, hence the rise of Nazi Germany. Uh, and, and after World War II, it seemingly the U.S. had learned a lesson with the Marshall Plan helping Germany to rebuild in Japan. There were efforts to make sure that the, they kept their emperor and that there were ways of rebuilding different times. But I wonder, are there lessons to be learned from something like that? We're now 16 years removed from the beginning of the conflict in Iraq where the U.S. went in. And it, it seems that we're still having a lot of the same discussions that we had 10 years ago. Yes. Well, I think the big lesson that we need to keep in mind is that rebuilding a country is generational, especially when it's coming out of a brutal authoritarian regime like Saddam Hussein. And Iraq is 15 years after that effort, um, and it will continue to take a long time to rebuild. I think without question, um, there has been really important progress in Iraq in terms of the activism of civil society, um, the maturation of a lot of their systems, but they have a long way to go. It is still very early days in terms of it being a, a democracy and certainly a cross-sectarian one. It is the wrong time to walk away for the United States to walk away or for the region to walk away. The importance of Kuwait was that it signaled that by hosting it in the Gulf and getting Gulf participation, that there would be that additional regional support because we really do need this to be uh, a, a, an all-in effort. What the region does will matter and what the United States and European coalition allies matters a great deal. And it's not, it, it's, we've had a big military win led by the Iraqis and now the really hard work of rebuilding not just the physical but the social infrastructure needs to be focused on. You go there from time to time. As I mentioned, you came back just uh, about a week and a half or two weeks ago from, from visiting the most recent visit to Iraq. Do you feel safe when you go there? Well, I was in Baghdad, in Erbil, and in the Nineveh Plains, and I did feel relatively safe. People who live there say that Baghdad is much safer than it's been in many years. Everybody cited the very festive New Year's holiday celebration that they had this year. 
Um, you know, and within uh, there are so many different views that you encounter in Iraq, but we did encounter quite a bit of sentiment that this fight against Daesh really did mobilize a lot of the country. They feel like it was their win with with very appreciated help from the U.S. and the coalition, but that it was Iraqi led. And that's led that's resulted in a, 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 a bit of a unifying sense uh, in a positive way of Iraqi identity. We beat the bad guys kind of thing. We beat the bad guys. It's a, it's yeah. a unified moment. It's not universally shared. I mean, there's still a lot of concern and a lot of cynicism about what will happen after the election. Um, so, which is why I started by saying there's a lot hanging in the balance and we shall see what happens after May when the government is formed. All right. Nancy, always appreciate your perspective. Thanks for joining us on POTUS today. Pleasure to be with you, Tim. Thank you. That is Nancy Lindborg, the president of the United States Institute of Peace, recently back from Iraq, the sense of what it's like on the ground there now uh, and where they are in recovery. And the elections are upcoming in May. And so where's the political future of this country? An interesting part to watch because we always have to watch what is taking place there in that part of the world. She's tweeting at Nancy Lindborg, L-I-N-D-B-O-R-G. This podcast has been brought to you by the United States Institute of Peace and Sirius XM's POTUS, Channel 124.